Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the One Link Podcast. I am Brad, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, James. <laughs> How are you doing today, James? I'm just as awesome as I ever am. You are awesome. It's always <laughs> fun to do these with you and get to... You get to hang out in your garage. I get to hang out in my closet, and hopefully we've got some interesting things to say today. Yeah, we'll sure hope so. So today we wanted to talk about one of the key verses that we think about at OneLink a lot, which is Luke 10, 2, which says, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so we wanted to talk about that that verse today, but specifically, I've just been thinking about the the part like pray earnestly. So that verse is one of the verses that's in my, you know, my memory, memory verses that I go through. But for us a, a season here, I've just left it in my daily, my daily verses so that every day when I, I get through there and I'm reviewing my verses, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to stop and I need to pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, which takes a lot of forms and format. And as I was thinking about that, and I'm going through this for a couple of days, this is like back in mid-October when this this kind of comes. I, in that day, I'm reading in my Bible in Daniel chapter 9, and it, it says this. Actually, I'm going to start a couple of verses before. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by the by descent a Mede, who was made known king over the realm of Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books that the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So he's he's realizing like, hey, 70 years is here. It says this, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And so... As I was reading that, I thought to myself, like, man, like that, that sounds like earnest prayer. And so as I was thinking about that, I like, okay, well, how can I raise my prayer? You know, especially as we were thinking about like, you know, our first deadline for apps is November 1st. You know, how can I pray earnestly? And so I went, I'll throw the question to you. So Daniel lists some things in his in his passage, it says, in seeking him, him being God, by prayers and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So what do you think that looks like today? Because some of those are pretty easy, but some of them I'm like, I don't know what the cultural context for that today would be. What do you think? You don't like to put on your sackcloth when you go to, to pray in the morning, James? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I'm not even sure where to find my sackcloth. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, I think I mean it's it's worth adding here the this verse Luke ten two, it is it's become a the, you know kind of a theme verse a, a guiding kind of mission that we have as an organization and we uh, we tend to start with you know the first part we focus on that like we need to get more laborers we need to get more laborers but sometimes even as much as we've talked about this as a staff the asking for the laborers can sometimes get you know, forgotten and all that. And so you're right. I think that asking needs to be fervent. And, you know, I, I don't know all of what that looks like in our current context. You know, I don't think we have to put on the sackcloth, but I think those things were an outward sign of, of a inward attitude and perspective and heart that Daniel was showing that he was moved by this. He would, this, this meant a lot to him. He, his heart was 
motivated, moved, touched by this issue. And so he would, those things were kind of either, you know, prompts to help him or outward signs to say that this is, this is something that I feel deeply that I want to see the Lord work. I want to, I trust him and I want to uh, be persistent in prayer. So I think it, it, it kind of touches on those things. We can be persistent. We can be fervent in that sense today, whether we have the same outward prompts or whatever, I think is probably not as important. I mostly agree, but at the same time, I'm like, but what would that look like? You know, like, why was it necessary? Because he could be inwardly the same way. And, you know, I know they would do that a lot with mourning. So do I wear black? <laughs> for? So you're asking why Why have these outward props? Yeah, why, not why have these out- outward props? Yeah. Well, I think it's like anything in the Bible that we see where there is an outward expression. Like, why why were they circumcised in the Old Testament? Why don't they just in there? Because the key thing was what was going on in their heart, their, their faithfulness to Yahweh. Well, it's a, a symbol that shows their, their covenant community. Why get baptized, right? It, you know, get, you're not saved by getting baptized. That's what we all believe. Uh, but it's a symbol that's an outward expression of what we're, you know, our, our commitment, our faith to the Lord. So I think there is value in, in outward prompts and you know why, why close your eyes when you pray or kneel or anything like that you don't have to do those things it's, you know you can open your eyes and pray but there may be things that help you focus in or there may be things that help represent your posture of i uh, you know i'm really i really want to show that i'm submiss- submitting to the lord or i'm focusing in on the lord so uh, obviously the the both the old testament and new testament are uh, adamant that the the heart is what is most important, but that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. those outward things can't help the heart or mm-hmm. represent the heart. I think almost as a as a reminder, and I don't know what the exact equivalent would be, but like if you're wearing sackcloth, you're going to notice that all day long <laughs> and it reminds you. And I think you could do a lot of different things, but something that reminds me like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be praying earnestly because if I was going to be real honestly, what I did better than praying earnestly was I I did things earnestly, you know, like we're I, we're doers. And even uh, I I'm not a great faster. And we can talk about fasting in a minute. But on the day I fasted, what I was more tempted to do was just as opposed to use that time when I would have been eating to like pray. It was like, oh, I could I could get more things done, you know, in order to raise up laborers for the harvest. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, that that constant that constant reminder, which is kind of why I left it on my on my uh, on my scripture daily things to because I need that reminder, like mm-hmm. oh yeah, man, I need to I need to be praying earnestly today. Mm-hmm. What about fasting? Or do you have other thoughts before I? Well, I was just gonna say I know what to get you for Christmas. Now I'll start googling <laughs> uh, sackcloth outfits. So that <laughs> that yeah. that's, that seemed to connect with you, James. <laughs> Completely. Complete with uh, ashes that are pre predisposed right. for good uh, facial features and uh, yeah. Well, I've got plenty. You can come get ashes from my <laughs> uh, fireplace, but uh, the the sackcloth. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to find some. But find some. no, all all kidding aside, I, I do think this is maybe before we move on to fasting. Just the, uh, I, I think there's some mystery to prayer, right? Like, why do we? Why why need to be fervent, you know, or or persistent? Why are we sometimes challenged in the uh, scriptures to pray persistently or keep on continuously, continue praying? 
it, it almost feels like, well, once you've asked God, you've mm-hmm. asked him, right? He's he not knows now, so uh... he's sovereign. He's not going to forget, you know, why keep asking him the same things? Because I've really found some areas in my life that every day I'm praying about them. And occasionally I'll be like, well, I already asked God, why do I need to keep doing this? But so there's some mystery there. Like, well, we don't know, but but we know what we're commanded to do, to, to pray continuously, to pray fervently, mm-hmm. to pray without ceasing, things like that. And so I think those are all parts of this, this, you know, raising up laborers, one that's maybe underappreciated. But to do that, I, I think you're right. Some of the some of the things that we're going to need to uh, some external things we're going to need to do to help us are being able to focus in a bit right i think that's some of what he he was removing some distraction he was giving himself some external prompts to remind him you know all these kind of things i think one of the reasons why we have a hard time praying fervently is that we live in a very instant gratification society and so praying it feels kind of boring it's not very stimulating it's not as interesting as my smartphone it's not, you know, it, I don't feel instant results in most cases. I mean, we could all think of maybe an example where we got something happened instantly, but mostly prayer is you're sowing seeds and you don't see any instant results. So all these things kind of run against fervent prayer, I think. And so we have to find some ways. Honestly, we may just need to begin retraining our brain a little bit. I know that sounds weird, but. I found I need to start doing some things to lower the level of stimulation in my life. So when I'm, you know, there's some down moment, I'm waiting for someone. I don't try, I'm trying my best to stop finding something to do to kind of stimulate myself, whatever, look at my, look at the weather on my phone or whatever it is, riding in the car and in silence. There's things like that, that I think we've got to begin retraining ourselves to not need so much stimulation. I think that's how we're going to pray fervently and persistently and frequently for the nations and for laborers. So sorry if that's a bit of a tangent, but uh, it it seemed really applicable to this topic. Yeah, I agree. What about fasting? The lost art of fasting? Yeah. Well, I can't say that I am a great model of this. We certainly see in the Bible— admonition even from jesus himself or at least when he speaks of it you know he he says when you fast there's it's almost as if he's assuming that fasting will continue to happen for believers and you know we see other areas where fasting is talked about so people that i know that are really faithful to this it talks about they talk about it being kind of a prompt like this maybe like sackcloth or like something like that that just it, it helps them to focus in i'm gonna i'm God, I really want to give all my energy and attention to you, and I want to put aside some some comforts and some things that I maybe normally would be going to to give more attention and devotion to you. But I don't know that I have a real developed kind of practice of fasting and prayer, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I have a lot of them. I'm like you, not very good at it. And actually, uh, in a uh, this time... You ever you ever got like a shot or given blood and like all of a sudden like you nearly passed out? I had one of those experiences. It was uh I'd been fasting that day. We went to this thing that evening, which was this this interesting thing this couple was sharing about how God had really healed the wife from like this horrendous accident. And somewhere in the middle, I don't know why, like all of a sudden I just had that feeling it was like I've got to leave, I'm gonna throw up. I went out and nearly 
passed out. And so ultimately I broke my fast before I planned to. So that's a good model. I share that story. I was afraid they would come out into the lobby where they'd rented it and they'd think someone had something horrible had happened to me. You know, like yeah, wasn't good. But I think I think with fasting, in all seriousness, one, we're not disciplined because we live a very comfortable life. Our needs are pretty well supplied, which is also why we often, I think, have a harder time praying fervently. My grandfather told me one time that I should read Isaiah fifty-eight every day. And which is about fastening. So I think if, if if and when you fast, not if, when you fast, you should try fasting. When you fast, Isaiah 58 is a great one to read to remind yourself, not just to, it's not just to like be hungry and pray that day, but like there's some doing in that. I think of people I've known, the people I've known that I think were better at fasting were all not from America. One guy was an American citizen now, but was from Iran originally. And another guy's from West Africa. And I feel like it's just some of it's just a dependence on God. Some of it some of it also felt like they were a little better about not being legalistic about it. Like like he maybe fast and he'd drink broth and and crackers or something, or or sometimes complete. But like it you you can do something. You can so like for me, even when my, my fast had broke, uh, I had to break it that day. But like for a couple of days, I could still just eat more simply and I can I can make some choices that just remind myself, hey, I'm 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 earnest about that. I think it's a, a lost art. I'd encourage all of us on this podcast if you listen to it, man, take it take a day, fast for a day, fast for two meals of a day, and just see. Yeah, give it give it some effort. See what it's like. Cause the really this is this goes back to being a doer. The really sad things, I skip meals all the time. I don't even think about it. Yeah, if I'm working, I'm going, most of the time I can just skip and never think about it. But man, if I'm fasting, boy, noon comes and I'm like, Man, I'm hungry. Oh, if only I could eat, you know, like the everything smells so much better. So it's easy for me to do it, you know, in this effort to be a doer, to do things which I don't necessarily think is healthy, but just the juxtaposition of like prayer with fasting. Another verse a friend of mine named Jack sent me. I was telling him I was thinking about this, and he sent me Hebrews 5, 7, which says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an interesting, like, reflect back to me on that verse when you, I'm going to read it for you one more time. What do you think of it? In the Or what stands out to you in it? In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Particularly the heard because of his reverence. Is that where you're? That's where what, you're, I mean, uh, that's what, that's what stood out to me as I was looking at it like right before we started but even that like here's Jesus the son of god god in the god incarnate and he's offering up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears you know like it's it's a it's clearly a fervent prayer it's a meaningful prayer it's an emotional prayer it's not a sunday morning obligatory prayer an obligatory prayer before i eat like this is a meaningful crying out Mm-hmm. to the God who can answer. 
Well, it's it's prayer when you you know there's really someone listening and they can really answer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, yeah. and we, in the back of our minds, we all know that. But to me, there's not a whole lot of emotion often in prayer because it it, it does feel a little obligatory, right? It's time to start staff meeting. All right, let's pray to start our staff meeting. Oh, let's pray to close our staff meeting. Let's pray to before we have a meal. And so it's very unemotional and <laughs> not a whole lot of pouring out coming. Uh, and I think that's okay. I don't think every time we pray, there has to be some outpouring and tears, but if there's something really deep and meaningful in your life and you really believe that the person you're talking to can help you, I mean, that's going to be very, a very natural part of it. Like, please work in this area. Please help me. Please do this. So I think it just shows the strength of his connection to the father and, and, the second part of it that's, you know, because of his, was it reverence? Is that the word? Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's another part of sort of the mystery of prayer, in my opinion, right? I mean, we clearly the scriptures say that we should pray in faith and that we, we pray in faith. There's God responds to that. And uh, that if there's faithless prayer, uh, you know, whatever that would look like, or we're not really believing that God can do anything, that that's going to impact the effectiveness of the prayer. But at the, on the same, or at the same time, I think we have to be careful, even with fasting, that we don't begin to see it as, well, this will really, you know, get the Lord to ant to do what I wanted to do, <laughs> right? I mean, right. I've heard people talk like this. Well, we prayed and we fasted, and God didn't do it, and it's almost like, you know, we went the extra mile. We did the fasting, so that should have like brought it across the finish line for God to do it the way that we wanted. And I think that's a bad perspective on prayer. We're not obligating God. There's relationship, there's connection happening in that. And I, I do think we need to pray in faith and believe and that some of these things like fasting or wh- whatever it would be, putting on the sackcloth are, are great. And they're, they're helpful parts of that, but we, we don't obligate God in any way. So I think we have to be careful on that part. I agree with that. And even Jesus, you know, when I think of the the most fervent prayer we know of that he prayed or where I guess it's described the most would be in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he still is like, he's like, but but not what, not what I want. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever you want. But I think there's something beautiful about going back to our original verse, Luke 10, 2, like Jesus, God is saying, pray or earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. God who is in charge of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So like, it's, it's all about God and it's a, a command from God. And I feel like we can just pray that with great, great faith that he will do that. And what I've discovered recently is like, cause I, I was doing that mainly, you know, mainly for our applicants that were going to be applying to go on, on trips next summer. Yeah. So after I was doing this a while, I started just running into all these other people and be like, oh man, like I should add, I should add prayer that God would send laborers into your harvest. And in fact, I was, I was late for this podcast uh, because I was meeting with a pastor in the Southwest part of town. And he was talking about all the, the ways they're trying to be in different apartment complexes and different schools. And guess what they need? Laborers for the harvest. So it's all around us. It's great to pray. I don't know about you, Brad, but I can't pray it too often without asking, also asking God, like, you know, send, send me out, use me. I want to be in part of your harvest. I don't want to be, I don't want to be just a prayer. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I like the phrase by grace with full effort. 
I mean, just thinking about our our staff, you know, we have hit the road. We've gone to lots of places. We have worked hard. We've given full, I think we've tried to give full effort in this mobilizing season. Now, now the applications are coming in. Now we're going to put the teams together. I mean, as you said, this should probably come out right before our final app deadline. And so we're, we know that we can go speak, we can go do whatever, but if the Lord doesn't move the heart to join, to be a laborer, then we're out of luck. You're not out of luck. That's brother. <laughs> we're, we're, it's not going to happen is what I'm trying to say. And so we, there's this kind of co-laboring with God. Again, I, I hate to keep using the word mystery, but we're, we want to give effort, but we, we live completely by the grace of God to do the work. And so this harvest that's out there, God has prepared it, but we, you know, we give effort and we're faithful to go and to share and to disciple. And so, but we've got to do, be doing both. And as you said, some of us tend to maybe be a little gravitate towards one, like you're wanting to do, let's do, do, do. I'm kind of that way as well. I have to pray, Lord, help me to operate in faith, not just it's all on, on, you know, on me to accomplish. So we go by grace, but we give full effort. That's true. Well, listeners, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Uh, as Brad said, if we release this when we plan to, tomorrow should be the last day, December 1st, of our applications. And so continue to pray with us. And for all those that have have come through the application process and now they're being placed on a team, uh, we still have six, seven months six months before they're ready to send, pray for them that they'll be strengthened, that they'll be ready to send out, that they'll be sent out as good qualified laborers into the harvest. And if you have a great experience and you do some fasting and some earnest prayer and you learn something, man, let us know. Tell us how it goes for you. Yep. I'm excited to just a few more weeks here, excited to see how the Lord works. And uh, we're already kind of ahead of where we've been the last few years in terms of applicants. So uh, keep praying for as we cross that finish line here in the next day or so and for wisdom as we put together the teams. And yep, let's continue to be faithful. Yeah, sounds good. We'll, we'll see you guys next time on the One Link Podcast.